hands up, you're out of luck And your back's up against the wall From Tunisia to Washington The people are calling no You're casting guns, you're cutting thugs Your lies on the TV None of that can save you now As your reign is swept away Get up, get up, your voices are needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Get up, get up, your voices are needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Greetings, everyone. This is a call to actions. I am your host, Bobby Vaughn. It is episode number 31 today. It is December 28th, 2020. I hope everyone's staying safe and had a a good chance to spend some good quality time with your family as much as you could. Today is uh, is a very is going to be a very interesting one as. As our listeners know, this is an investigative podcast usually, and we're going to be digging in and investigating today. We're going to be talking about something very, very important involving the state that I currently live in, Kimberly lives in, and our one of our guests. We have two guests. We'll be talking about chronic atomic poisoning of the state of Ohio. Is it just a state issue or is it federal? Or is it just not federal or is it state? Does it work its way into a a state crime? And anyone who's an avid listener of A Call to Actions knows our guests. First, we have Jeff Walburn. And second, we have Charles Chick Lawson. I will be calling him Chick, as that is his legal alias. So, hey, guys, how are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. We're doing great. Mm. Good to hear your voices again. And um, I know, Jeff, you recovered from uh, some type of uh, pneumonia. I'm glad you you made it through that, and hopefully you're stronger than you ever were. Um, So I do understand that that you two have filed a a historic class action lawsuit, um, Federal RICO, which in, which involves, uh, of course, the nuclear facility at the uh, Piketon, Ohio, the Portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant, involved in a criminal nuclear fraud enterprise. But we're not going to be talking too much about the lawsuit today. We will talk about the current and past legacy involved in the actual poisoning of workers and the community. The lies. Hey, Bobby. Yes. Uh, let me stop you just for a second. Mm-hmm. The lawsuit is a federal lawsuit filed in federal court, but it is classed as a civil RICO right now. Civil RICO. Okay. There's a difference, and we got to be sure we're accurate. Okay. Well, thanks for... Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh we will be discussing the lies, deception, corruption, corporate fraud, the establishment of a nuclear enterprise caring about its normal activities, and the way it carried about its normal activities. I understand that there is an opening statement that you guys need to open up with before we get the questionnaire and investigation going, though. Yes, I'd like to say before we start that 
the uh, statements that we make are our opinion, but our opinions are based on investigation, uh, documentation, and uh, many times uh, we don't we don't work off of secret documents or anything like that. Anything that we have uh, investigated, we found out on our own. Um, and uh, either that or it was redacted or released or foia to us. And uh, just want to say that, you know, it's our opinion, but uh, we are in a lawsuit now. But the things that we're going to talk about today, um, the people of uh, Pike County and Sauda County, uh, they need to be aware of uh, the state reps, the uh, reps in um, the state of Ohio, the governor, uh, the AG, they, uh, they need to quit turning their back on Southern Ohio. Very much agreed. There's been definitely been the lack of uh, government uh, justice definitely oversight the oversight really lacks but even when it comes to absolute justice uh chick is there anything you'd like to open up with any disclaimers uh i'm, I'm just going to say everything that jeff said that everything we say is, is our opinion but based off of uh over 20 years of investigative work through the FOIAs and different documents and we do not hold any secret documents of any kind. Uh, this is all done through FOIAs and uh, court cases, so that's how we obtain our documents, and this is our opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and over the years, uh, how long have you guys been working together so far? About 26 years. Yeah, that's a, a long time. And uh, Jeff, you were, you were part of an anti-terrorism squad at the Portsmouth plant, and uh, you and Chick started working together, and thus you've been working together for 26 years from your place as that anti-terrorism squad member, and Chick being an OSHA, Occupational and Safety, Safety and Health Administration certified investigator at the plant. And uh, you guys have uncovered more more than anyone i've said that before but really more than any any two person investigative team that i've ever seen before and it's very important to keep away from the classified material um but getting as close to the classified material as possible the foias and uh the records that are either unclassified or declassified are extremely important um let's and from there laying that foundation on where you guys started and and how you do your your work let's let's kind of do this backwards starting from a recent something that recently occurred and then going back into the past and how it all ties together <clears throat> i had, had been briefed that there was a release at the deple depleted uranium hexafluoride facility at the portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant here very recently can you talk a little bit about that, Chick? Uh, yeah, I can give you some information on that. There was, uh, that happened this past March. It's part of the DUF-6 program, and they're trying to recover uh, hydrofluoric acid from these 14-ton uh, cylinders. 
I know you took a tour around and saw those thousands and thousands of cylinders laying there. Yes. And what they basically do, and, and just I'm just going to simplify it, uh, they're going to warm them up again, try to get that material out of there to separate it, to get the HF out and whatever's usable that can be sold on the market. Well, the problem you have, they're bringing cylinders in from all over the country now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got them from uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, from the plant there. There's some now from Paducah and places of other origins. And as they sit out in the atmosphere, they will build up pressure. Well, they in this one incident that happened, they put a they what they're doing. They're cracking the valves or opening the valves would be the term, but they call it cracking the mm-hmm. valve. They open the valve to release the pressure that's inside. But the problem with that, because you're, you're having light separation, uh, when I say lights, I'm talking radioactive lights, and that's ha- taking place inside these 14-ton cylinders. And there are transuranics in some of them, according to one of the uh, foremen that I uh, spoke with. Uh, they're just opening the valve and letting it go to the four winds, and then they take it over to the building and put it in the autoclave and do their thing. But what happened in March, they had one particular cylinder, and its nickname was Franken-cylinder, hmm. basically after Frankenstein. Hmm. And the reason they called it that because the cylinder had so many metal plates welded on it to to keep it secure because it was rusting through. And when they did crack it, they put a pressure valve on it. It was only a 30-pound pressure valve, and it popped the valve. And this is the statement the individual gave me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I will say this. This individual, I won't use his name right now, Mm -hmm. but he came to my house on a Sunday to tell me this and to explain to wanting to tell me what had happened to him and he's concerned uh he's sick now but when they cracked it they're doing this in a tent outside and it just blows wherever it goes but uh he smelled the hf and they took off running to get away from it they apparently didn't have mask at the time and he said there was another odor that he was not familiar with and so he says run to the cars to get away from it and they went to the cars and apparently there was an inversion so when when the gases went up it came back down where their cars were where they were running to Mm -hmm. to get away from it Mm -hmm. and it turned out that there was cyanide in that cylinder also Mm -hmm. and four of them had to be hospitalized sent to Pike County Hospital. And so whatever's in these cylinders, and for the life of me, I mean, I've had process training at the plant. There's no known reason that I know of, and I've talked with one of the scientists that works there, and he's at the same conclusion as I, there should not be cyanide in a 14-ton cylinder. And we cannot figure that one out. We don't know how it got in there, why it was put in there. We don't know if this was some kind of an experiment that was going on. 
but I do know that they were not letting them test what they were releasing before they released it. Hmm. Now, that should tell you something right there, that something's wrong. Uh, to release these materials to the atmosphere, and that's, that's really not that far from, from the uh, highway and from Pike County. Now this stuff is blowing again, plus with the D&D that they're, they're having, and then that debris blowing into the wind. This is creating a witch's brew beyond all measures. And D&D uh, being an acronym for demolition and... Um, Destruction. Yeah. A decontamination and demolition. Yeah. Yeah. Demolition and, uh, yeah, tearing it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just from the photos. One thing, he did, one thing he did tell me, I asked him, I said, I asked the question, uh, I said, when when you first got injured, I said, did they take urine samples? He goes, yeah, as soon as we got over there, they took a urine sample and they tested us. He said it was 0.6 HF, hypochloric acid. I said, did they do a fecal sample? He goes, well, no. And he said, I said, do they do, do a nasal swab? He goes, no. And he goes, why should they? I said, well, if there's transuranics in there, that's how you're going to find that. Mm-hmm. You should have done a, a nasal swab immediately. And I said, okay, then when did they do your next test? He said, well, they, they took us from the dispensary straight to the hospital. They had to put each one of them in a separate ambulance. So there's four ambulances that arrived at Pike County Hospital. They did another urine sample two hours later. Well, it was still at 0.6, and he goes, well, they told us there's not enough in us to hurt us. Well, the problem with that, when you ingest that, it doesn't go through your system that quick. Mm -hmm. And I did ask him, I said, did you, did they give you a container for a 24-hour catch? Because you're looking 8 to 12 hours to get this through your kidneys, through your system, before you start getting a read. So if he already had 0.6, that meant, to me, they have already been absorbing, ingesting, inhaling this because they're doing this process on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's telling me that they're getting exposed. And uh, and this went this went unreported. Is that correct? Uh, that's what I was led to believe. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I called uh, the uh, Pike County Health Department, asked him if he knew of this, and he said I hadn't heard a thing about it. And he says, "Let me make some phone calls." He made phone calls. Uh, I did call OSHA to see if it had been reported to them. And they said they would could not tell me uh, because I was no longer a OSHA certified investigator at the plant mm-hmm. and refused to talk to me. They said I could file a FOIA if I wanted, but that'd be the only way. Hmm. And then uh, Mr. Brewster contacted me back and says, Chick, you're absolutely right. Uh, they didn't report it to us, and it looks like, uh, he says, I'm getting the impression it wasn't reported to anybody else. With four people hurt to the hospital, that's an automatic OSHA recordable. I'll see about getting that FOIA going. 
Um, uh, can I say something here, uh, Bobby? Yes, sir. Uh, earlier, well, it was late last year, we had some meetings that uh, they'd held uh, in the uh, Portsmouth uh, Welcome Center. And one of the subjects that, that come up during that time was that they had had compressor fires out there. Mm-hmm. And it was just rumor, but it was on good authority that they'd had these compressor fires, and they had two compressor fires, but they never reported those compressor fires until it was brought up that day. And then they come and said, well, it wasn't a problem. We're going, what did you, uh, uh, was there anything escaped the plant? Oh, of course, no, never, never. Nothing ever leaves the plant. And we're going, did you let people know they should shelter in place in case that it did? I mean, Zahn's Corner School's only uh, uh, a few miles from the plant. And it's it's got contamination, Neptunian things that are natural, you know, not naturally occurring in nature. Uh, the airborne effect uh, of, of these things escaping. People maybe be out with their dog or something. Uh, people can't sleep. They get up in the middle of the night when they walk outside. There's no warning. There's no warning. There was no warning on this uh, with the. Uh, so, my question is, does Doe know this, and who are they not telling, or who are they lying to, uh, once again, and why are they keeping this secret? And I think part of the secrecy is because what they have done to Sierra County and Pike County on the contamination that they have lost control of, that is in, it's in the water, it's in the sediment, it's in fish and fowl, uh, it's in animal. Uh, in it, the plants? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. in the plants. I mean, there's uptake in the plants. Uh, they sell their soybeans uh, next, the fields next to the plant. Uh, so if this stuff is settling in, in those areas, well, I mean, what are they not being forthcoming about and who was involved in the cover-up of this last fiasco with the uh, uh, ACER reports, which is the uh, reports that come out in 2017 that they held for two years till uh, May 15th of 2019, and then they lie. Then they lie at the meeting and say, well, it was fallout. Well, it was cesium from a fire alarm. That is preposterous. And at the same time, they had uh, Kevin uh, Ketterer. Oh, I yeah, say, yeah uh, Mike, Michael Ketterer. Excuse me, Michael Ketterer, mm-hmm. uh, who was a professor emeritus of, of uh, isotopic uh, investigation uh, at Northern Arizona University. And he's on the phone at the same time, and they don't know that he's listening while they tell their lie. And they tell their lie, and then he says what's categorically and scientifically uh, trackable to the plant. Mm-hmm. And he said, I ran it through mass spectrometry, and the footprint says that it's from the plant with all reasonable scientific certainty. Well, 
Anne Marie White comes to Portsmouth from DOE and that we're told through one of the individuals they were told to lie and then she goes back to Washington and she gets fired Mm -hmm. and my question is did she buck the people that told her to lie and what kind of lies did they tell and what are the implications of those lies well very very well said there uh, Anne Marie White she's the the former environmental management uh, overseer also known as the um, assistant director of energy or the um, um, secretary the assistant secretary of energy uh, over overseeing the atomic legacy in the United States and the cleanup efforts uh, at plants like the Portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant Paducah gaseous diffusion plant, Oak Ridge, um, Metropolis, the Honeywell facility when it was involved with uh, with the DOE back in the megatons and megawatts days. But we're going to keep it uh, fairly recent now and kind of backtrack. Um, you mentioned Zahn's Corner Middle School and these uh, these transuranics, plutonium, neptunium, americium, and even fission products, technetium ninety nine being uh, showing up in water on a just a an atrocious level. There's there is a mapping system that the that the Department of Energy Department of Energy uses for their fiscal year ACERs A S E R S the annual site environmental reports and. It's, it's called Pegasus, P-E-G-A-S-I-S. It is the mapping system, DOE, EPA, and the Department of Energy's contracted corporations like Floor BWXT um, and various conversion companies out at these plants use to track the radionuclides. And, um, and I think, you know, going back to Ann White, is if the public knew that these transuranics were were in their water and in in the crops and in the soil and being detected so close to home they would have been able to take action themselves and maybe she seen something that she wanted to speak out about and seen that maybe there was a big cover-up where they were trying to keep the public out of uh, keep the public away from seeing that these transuranics were contaminating their homes. Is that fair? Well, that's uh, that's one aspect of it. But when you look at those acers, and we've got uh, it's their documents; it's not our documents. And you look at the numbers that closed Zon's Corner School. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, there's a man named Dwayne Pullman that's doing articles uh, on Channel 12 out of Cincinnati. Uh, one of the uh, board members of the school's a daughter went to school there and she died of uh, an odd, odd cancer. And uh, he said, you know, they can say what they want, but my job is to protect these kids. So, uh, Doe was okay with them going back to school, leaving it open. And what they want to talk about is, 
external radiation. And what we're talking about is airborne uptake of alpha materials. The, a lot of the, the um, transuranics are high alpha emitters. And so if these kids, you know, you, you've seen kids out running, they run, they, they're breathing, and they're breathing as hard as they can run. And they're just like an air monitor themselves. So if it's going in the air monitors, is it going into the kids as they breathe hard? And is there a latency period where these kids are going to get cancer? And the same people that are there, though, denying it now will be gone. And and they're suggesting there's nothing there. But uh, if you look in the epidemiology study that they did for the plant, they recognize airborne alpha as one of the high emitters and one of the greatest dangers that they had. What has changed uh, other than the uh, dogma or the uh, propaganda that they're putting out? And when we looked at the ACERs and compared Camp Creek and the northwest area of, of uh, Otway, Otway uh, northwest area there of Ohio, the numbers in 2018 at Camp Creek, where there's a uh, radiation monitor and air monitor, beat every number at uh, Zahn's Corner, but yet they declined to tell Scioto County that. And to me, that's a crime. And so we go to the uh, commissioners and we tell them about it. Then we bring the actual documents to show them, but they had went to Doe and got their information from Doe, but we already know that Doe is lying and that anyone that speaks out against them, they're leaning on them, firing them. And uh, then of course you got the HALU program going out there, uh, which they think they're gonna do that at the plant. And uh, it just makes me wonder if they're not sacrificing the people of Sider County in, in favor of the HALU program. What's going on at, there is a maximum security state prison, and I believe near the Valley Schools. What's happening over there? Basically what you have there, the Pegasus system, shows that that monitor is between the school and the state prison and it has tested positive for U-234 that we can see on the DTEC. And I don't believe that that, in my opinion, is natural. It could be, but not at the levels I think that they're finding. Well, U-234 wouldn't be natural and it's in a residual, uh, you know, it's in the uh, uh, sediment. And so here's what you've got to understand. Doe's only claiming a six mile radius from the epicenter of the plant. Now, uh, some would look at that, and if you know anything, uh, you would say, well, why are we going from the center of the plant? Why don't we go out to the fence and go six miles? But this is over 14 miles away, and it's their own documents. They're denying it. They're firing people that are trying to speak out or telling people to lie. Uh, I'm not suggesting that there's a conspiracy or some uh, kind of uh, thing going on. It's, it's written plain as day. If you look at it, it, it's there. 
and and then you get the state of Ohio turning their backs on uh, Southern Ohio and Chick's a resident there. I'll let him talk about that. And we, I've actually, uh, I've contacted quite a few of the state reps. I've asked to speak with them. Uh, it's been in writing uh, and, and sent registered. Uh, so far, no communication in any way, shape, or form has come back to me on any of that. Hmm. Uh, when you look at Otway, Ohio, that monitor is 14 miles southwest of the plant, which puts the north, and it's one mile past northwest schools. You have three newer schools that are built there, grade school, middle school, and high school, and they're very close proximity. Mm-hmm. in line with that monitor, which means it's picking up airborne. So if it's picking up airborne amaresia, with the scientists that I've talked to, they're saying that the plutonium and neptunium travel along. Those three travel together, basically. Uh, their atomic the numbers are similar. Their atomic yeah, numbers. Yeah, the atomic numbers are like one apiece, one apart from each other. So the chances are that those other things are there. Now, when, when you look at, say, like plutonium-239 and the toxicity of that, with the numbers being higher also at Northwest at that monitor than what Zon's quarter is, and there are kids sick with cancer and teachers there now. Uh, I talked with a a scientist yesterday mm-hmm. and he said they're starting to see more brain cancer in our area mm-hmm. that wasn't expected and it's an unusual type which leads us to believe it's from the radiation and the scientist does believe it is from the radiation uh, people are carrying it home he says and I agree with that you see the workers that are doing this demolition project mm-hmm. They leave there with their vest and their reflective vest and their work clothes on. Uh, we didn't do that. When, when we went to work, uh, except for the guards, and I'll, I, I'll correct myself, the guards, they told us our uniforms were clean, and they turned out that they weren't. And we were wearing contaminated uniforms home because they lied to us. Oh. And I will say that. They did lie. Uh but now you see these workers coming out and they're, they're, they'll go out for lunch and they'll sit in restaurants and eat. So it means that they're tracking this contamination wow. in their cars and in these restaurants. It's falling off their clothes. Uh, they're taking it home with them. Their kids are being exposed. Now, just look at, at plutonium-239 alone. Uh, it only takes one millionth of a gram to cause fatal cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main thing I think that DOE is counting on is because of the latency period. After you ingest that and it goes to and the plutonium generally will seek a bone, but the neptunium amaresium, it may go into an organ and the plutonium may go into an or- organ. But you're looking at with a healthy adult you will have a latency period that could go anywhere from 10 to 15 years before they know they have cancer. Now, some of the the information I've seen on children, if it's a healthy child, 
you're looking what could be anywhere from a six to ten year latency period, which just about makes sense when you look at the kids that are dying from the uh, uh, MAL leukemia, which is a radiation-induced leukemia, like the, the uh, farmer uh, boy had, and some of these other radiation-type cancers like the girl had. That's just about the right time period. Well, yeah, the girl whose dad is uh, on the uh, board now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's the things I'm looking at. And, and I had an individual approach me. Uh, he says, you know, we're, we're getting kids with cancer over in Minford now. And I said, well, the contamination could be there. But there's right now we have not been able to find a monitor at that area. How far away so, is Minford? How far away is that? I would say that's probably about, uh, I'm going to estimate about eight and a half to nine miles, but probably be closer to nine miles. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, great distance. It's not. Yeah, that's as the crow flies. And that would be east of the plant. Yeah, and seeing these uh, mo- monitors where where americium is showing up, uh, uranium two thirty four, it, it technetium ninety nine. I'm in technetium ninety nine is water soluble. And right. the amount the amount of toxic discharge and radioactive discharge that goes out into these outfalls that eventually goes out into the local river systems is is uh, is shocking to see is but it's it's a real reality and I believe that's where the technetium 99 is coming from and this stuff showing up around 13 to 14 miles away from the plant and that's only where the DOE uh, Department of Energy has laid their their monitoring stations. I believe, and I'm sure you guys are with me on this, that we need to to do some uh, some serious monitoring. You know, up to 20, 30, 40, maybe even more miles away. Actually, Bobby, uh, one of the scientists we've talked to, he's suggesting that we're probably going to have to go 75 miles and maybe farther wow. to get. A base sample. Wow. wow. And the reason, right, and, and the reason we say this is because in Ohio, right mm-hmm. now, we know that they have illegally imported, you call it imported, smuggled, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. transuranics to our plant that were not supposed to be there. Yep. And they have illegally smuggled out. Uh, special nuclear material, weapons grade, 97% assay material from that plant to destinations, some unknown, let's some talk, Let's talk a little bit about that. That's something that's that's not in the mainstream news. The, the shipping out and or smuggling of nuclear material. They're stealing. Yes. Hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the things you ought to know, Bobby, is that uh, the uh, AG of Nevada caught DOE uh, smuggling uh, plutonium out of Savannah River, and they sued them. They sued them first, and the federal judge said, well, it's a moot point. It's here now. And what they, 
they had was a uh, a uh, period there where they had to move it. It was a do or die uh, time set that they had to get the stuff out of Savannah River. Yeah. So they just smuggled it from uh, Nevada or to Nevada from Savannah River and all these states that uh, they went through that they illegally took this. I mean, they just sat there and took it. And mm. uh, really every state that they passed through uh, had a claim against them as far as I'm concerned. And then uh, that's that's how Nevada won is that they charged them with smuggling and uh, they uh, are having to remove it. And uh, it was done the same thing was done with nuclear waste from uh, Oak Ridge mm-hmm. to Nevada. Hmm. And yep. they're quite aware of it. And what they're doing, I mean, Nevada has their issue with all the tests and things that they've done. Yucca Mountain, the failure of Yucca Mountain, billions of dollars spent on something that's, uh, that can't take nuclear waste. And when you get into the subject of nuclear waste, uh, they're getting ready to make all these uh, small nuclear reactors and put them around the United States, but they haven't figured out what to do with nuclear waste yet. And uh, it doesn't seem to be an issue with dough. Make as much nuclear waste as you want, then bury it over aquifers. They're doing it all over the United States. They're burying, they want to bury. Uh, nuclear waste up at the uh, Great Lakes, mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, in, out at Snake River, out at, uh, in, uh, and then you've got the Columbia River, uh, out at Key Biscayne Bay, Key Biscayne Bay, the Ogallala Aquifer, you've got uh, the problem with, uh, um, you had, uh, in California, you had, and they build these nuclear reactors right up against the ocean and mm-hmm. then see no reason to, to to not just bury the stuff in cliffs on the site. Uh, and, I mean, so this the stuff- whole United States, this needs looked at. And, mm-hmm. and if we're the only ones that's saying so, then that's a shame. And our elected officials, uh, you look just even at Ohio uh, with Householder, uh, who was the Speaker of the House, he gets busted for taking $60 million from First uh, uh, Energy, and they're out of Akron, and now you don't hear a peep out of it. And and I don't know if it's uh, anyone thinks that it's one political side or the other, they're fooling themselves. Yeah. It's just whatever one's opportune at the time. And uh, but there was other people that got money and householder. It's just been covered up, just like Southern Ohio. And there was a article by Brent Larkin uh, out of Akron uh, or Cleveland area that says that they think that uh, because we're so-called hillbillies in the Southern Ohio area that we're expendable. And I testified in front of the United States Senate in 2000, and I said that very thing. They think that we are expendable people, fly over, waste, wasted. We're, they're going to waste us, 
and there was no the state of Ohio is is uh, they're responsible for looking into this so far I got called three times by the Bureau of Criminal Investigation and they want to assure themselves that it's all federal I said mm. it's not all federal I said those wagons Conestoga wagons that they smuggled that stuff out in look like something Grandpa made for the kids to sleep in for the weekend to camp out in I mean it was a hooch it, they, uh, it was uh, just means anything to you yeah <laughs> uh, I, I understand that one um it was uh, just some type of looked like it would have been some type of homemade transportation vessel. Definitely not put together in a professional manner. No, sir. It was a hooch. Yeah. And uh, built on a, a flatbed, and they smuggled the stuff out. What would have happened if that stuff had ended up in one of the waterways? What if what if some of the material um, would have spilled out? Yeah, you're right. Um, even just any any dusting, because you know a, a normal car when it has air conditioning or heating on, its intake comes comes through the front of the vehicle, and if you're behind one of these things on the interstate, and this stuff's coming into your air conditioning system, I mean one one millionth of a gram of plutonium you can't see. You inhale that directly from your air conditioning system in your car, and then little Susie's sick. Ten years later. Let's go ask for you, Bobby. Let's say you're on the interstate and this truck is, there's an accident. And yeah. now you're stopped on the interstate and you're sitting beside this truck that has this giant load of unsecured product, high assay product, that is caked inside of it, mm-hmm. which is causing what they call a subcritical reaction. It's not a criticality. It's below that level. DOE uses the code word slow cooker. But what is happening is throwing out massive amounts of gamma and neutron radiation. Neutrons. Mm-hmm. Now, you, now you're sitting in your car with your family beside this truck, have no idea what you're sitting beside, and you're getting zapped. Mm. So, and say that it's mischaracterized on the uh, placards that's put on it. So first responders, both police and fire, spray water on it. Then you've got a UF-6 release that will kill people for miles. Mm. Then any accident victims are brought into your uh, hospitals, and because it's mischaracterized or illegally characterized, whatever you want to say, then they have somebody that's contaminated with radioactive material uh, of the highest level, and uh, they're treating them, and they don't know to put PPE on. Do you know when these trucks are at truck stops that they they have to be uh, spaced away into their own certain compartment? The reason I ask that is because in Metropolis, when shipments would come into the Honeywell plant in Metropolis, I've seen many of them because I used to explore the town a lot. Uh, they would park their their uranium. Uh, Semi. So let me put it that way. With a with a um, with a train cart, what would be considered a train cart, on the back of the semi, and of course it was labeled, you know, level three radioactive material, or whatever, and they would park their semi with uranium in that container at the Riverboat Casinos parking lot next to other semis. 
And I've seen that. I recorded the actual driver getting out of his truck and going in to the gambling um, facilities. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about other truck drivers um, when, when talking about the, when, the, when they have to take a rest. That's a problem. I mean, just think about it. it it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and it comes down to money because they have the, uh, they have the type transportation and, and protection to do this properly, but they're choosing not to at the risk of American citizens and of these communities. And like I said, they map routes through. They say, well, uh, these hillbillies, they don't, they don't deserve to know because by the time they die, it'll be over with. And it's just like us. We were supposed to come to work. Mm. We were supposed to work our job and then go off and die. But through the efforts of uh, Mr. Lawson and myself, we've done investigations to show just how much they are covering up. And like the... Their epidemiology studies, well, there's limitations on those studies, and they're not being forthcoming about the limitations. They're not letting people know that some of these things that they've created, like the, uh, uh, what was the one thing called, the, uh, how they figured, check out the Monte figure. Carlo configuration. Yeah, Monte Carlo configuration. Mm-hmm. It's like spin the wheel, but if we put a weight on the wheel, you never win. And so they're they're doing this stuff like that we're stupid. But the only reason we seem stupid is that we've went from everyone from Trump to uh, the uh, McConnell, uh, Rand Paul, Massey, uh, the state of Ohio, all the reps of Ohio. We went to the state police. We. That's why we look stupid is because no one is coming to our aid. Hmm. Well, it's going to take as, as many people as possible. I'm glad, glad you have some support currently. Um, and we have about 15 minutes left on, on this podcast. So I, I want to read some. This kind of connects the, as you guys are well aware of, the the Portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant, uranium plant that you guys both worked at. Um, USEC was the company that uh, the plant was was ran by. Uh, it was privatized. The United States Enrichment Corporation. Mm-hmm. At United States Enrichment Corporation, Portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant, DOE have direct ties to the Russian uranium mafia. And the, the connection is... One connection is a transportation company known as TLI, Transport Logistics International. And I want to read something briefly and get you guys' feedback on this. So I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, on, on November 22nd, this is something I wrote, 2019, the former president of the American Nuclear Transportation Company, Transport Logistics International, TLI, Mark Lambert was convicted of seven counts, four violations of Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, two counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy, according to a recent Department of Justice press release. 
As of October as of October twenty eighth, twenty twenty, Mr. Lambert Mr. Lambert has been sentenced to four years in prison and is ordered to pay a fine of twenty thousand dollars. He is to turn himself in to the US Marshal Service by February fifteenth, twenty twenty one, which is coming up, to begin serving his prison sentence of forty eight months. Already Mark Lambert's partner in crime the former co-president of TLI, Darren Condry, pleaded guilty in 2015 to conspiracy to violate FCPA, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and to commit wire fraud. Although he admitted his criminal involvement over five years ago, his sentencing still awaits. The scheme these men were involved in consisted of bribing a Russian official in order to acquire contracts for TLI, the transportation company. The Russian counterpart to this cabal was a high-level official within the country's only uranium and uranium enrichment services supplier and exporter, Texnub Export, 10X, Vadim Makarin. He pleaded guilty on August 31st, 2015 to conspiracy to commit money laundering. He was sentenced to four years in prison. So, my question is, and we have evidence here, I have a document showing that USEC piked in um, a document from uh, Transport Logistics International on September 12th, 2002, showing a delivery notification and there a notification of five deliveries two to USEC in Piketon at the plant you guys worked at um, for 30, 33,000 approximately kilograms of uranium hexafluoride <clears throat> okay and this was during megatons to megawatts this uranium was coming from Russia being transported from Russia by TLI and the document is signed by Darren Condry, the partner, the partner in crime, the former co-president of TLI, who pleaded guilty to conspiracy of foreign corrupt practices, signed that document. The connection is the, the megatons to megawatts deal. And this, it, it went on until 2013 and began when you guys worked out at the plant. But that's nothing new to you guys I mean, I just wanted uh, just want to get some feedback on that part of it. Well, if you've got uh, Mayak and Rosatom uh, and Ten of Export, uh, Mayak Russia, if you look at it, uh, you think uh, we're in business with these people. But if you look up Mayak, and you can look at it on it's M A Y A K. It's one of the four secret cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were the ones in charge of uh, dismantling the warheads that they were supposed to bring here, and that was their charge and charter uh, by uh, the Congress in 92. And what they brought was out-of-spec uranium, and uh, it's uh, we had Russians there on site, uh, there was supposed to be a counterpart. I think his name was Cutlip. That was supposed to go to Russia. But you had you had Russians. Us. You had Russians at the plant in Portsmouth, Ohio. 
they they were there to verify that mm-hmm. uh, we were holding up our end of the deal. Mm-hmm. But what they were doing was sending uh, out of spec material the first hundred and fifty meg or uh, yeah. excuse me metric tons mm-hmm. that was sent. Uh, fifty metric tons was not checked, and uh, they uh, we had people there that escorted this person around but when it come time for us to to go to russia to to witness what they were doing they reneged so it's uh what what you've got is you got a point a with 10 of export you got people going to jail you got tli transporting but no one here just stopped no one at point B was guilty of anything. No one's checked. No one's went to jail here in any of these organizations. How could that be that it, uh, TLI and the Russians just fooled everyone here and everyone was just, I mean, goofy, stupid here. We didn't know that was going on. Like, gee whiz. We, we didn't know that we were hurting our workers. We didn't know that they were bringing all this stuff out of, of Russia and that we were recipients of it under a falsified deal that was yeah. supposed to be warheads, period. No, it, it, was anou- it was announced by George Herbert Walker Bush and then later uh, signed by Bill Clinton where he initiated the United States Enrichment Corporation's USEC and 10X's deal, the megatons and megawatts deal from uh, 93 to 2013. Chick, did you ever have a chance to come? Did you ever come across any of these Russian counterparts that were at the plant in the U.S.? I didn't know, but because I got injured out there in '97, and Mm -hmm. but they were in our locker room when Jeff was still there. Yeah, that's uh, it. Was ridiculous. They bring a Russian in. They said, "Well, he's former KGB," and I said. Yeah, like former Marine. I said, there is no such thing. And I said, uh, Putin is former KGB as well. They brought him, let him dress in our building, let him look at the weapons, the uniforms we wore, our TO, how old the people were. They could see him come and going, and they put him right in our locker room. One question. I think that's very fishy. One question is, is there a possibility of any possible... uh, Russian spying or counterintelligence by these Russian Russian agents and understanding well, I'm sure the, that they were. I mean, they had gases diffusion process in Russia, but they were only able to come up with like sixty five percent. We were making ninety seven percent. It was fueling our uh, uh, our nuclear navy. It was making our warheads, and then. Uh, in December 9th, 1998, there was a mysterious fire. Mm. And that's all yeah. I'll say about that. that well, that, that's really interesting. Um, so you have, you have Russian agents, um, one, at least one being for, former KGB, uh, in the same locker room with United States anti-terrorism squad uh, security guards. Q cleared. We were, we were all Q cleared. Yeah, that was yeah, a- normally no no foreign agent of, or foreign national of any foreign nation was allowed to go into that that uh, 
facility, and the Japanese had cylinders there, and they would escort them out to this small pen where they kept them, and that's the only place that they went. So they bring a foreign national Russian, supposedly KGB, and they assign somebody to him that speaks Russian, and and I mean they're you know they're making fun of him, and he you know he knows that they are, and it's it's just that was the attitude is that are we that stupid? Are we that stupid? Is that our foreign policy? Is that our national uh, claim to fame that we just let them run all over us in the name of non-proliferation and and then contaminate a whole two counties, all the workers at the plant, and then the state of Ohio just sits by uh, numb and and I mean through First Energy and what DOE is doing to to Piketon inside the county is that we are right to be raped by uh, the nuclear industry. And that's what's going on. And I, I don't know who's covering up. We've, we've written uh, uh, certified letters to uh, the uh, Kasich, Governor Kasich, when they were stealing material. And we wrote certified letters to the then AG uh, DeWine they didn't do anything. They're, they're, even now, they're fixated upon saying, well, this is federal. This is federal. It's not Ohio. It's not Ohio. It is Ohio. It, Ohio's being affected. Their people's being affected. The workers are being affected. There's theft going on. It's going out over Ohio highways. People are being contaminated. And the, the state of Ohio has their heads in the sand. Yeah. And, and actually, Kentucky's in the same boat as Ohio because some of these illegal shipments were going directly to Paducah, Kentucky, mm-hmm. by truck. Mm-hmm. And we contacted so everywhere the state that, Yeah, Everywhere that truck went, he's spreading contamination. And that's why in our lawsuit, we're saying 50, 50 miles and parts unknown. Mm-hmm. Very That's true. all I can say. Very true. Very true. And it's I think one really important part to to talk about um, just for just a couple more minutes. We got about three more minutes left. Is uh, Bobby? I'd like to say something. Yes, and sir. If you, your your listeners and people out there, mm-hmm. we want to speak in front of the Ohio legislature. Mr. Lawson and I do, and we want to address this. And we're putting out the. Uh, asking for the invitation by any person in the Ohio legislature to, uh, to allow us to speak because we have documents that we can prove that the state of Ohio has been harmed by the Department of Energy and they're setting by and allowing them to run roughshod over us. Mm. Very well said. And this has to stop. It has to. Uh, too many children are being affected. You know, these uranium isotopes uh, plutonium neptunium and other things even toxic chemicals uh, being detected near these schools and and this federal uh, prison is it, it bugs me and it's something i think about every day and you know i'm glad i moved to ohio so we're not too far away and we could stay in communication and um 
is there is there anything else you guys want to say before we uh, wrap up this well, podcast? You know, real quickly, you, you know, with, with the Lucasville prison, think about this. You've mm-hmm. got guards out there now coming down with cancer. Mm-hmm. You've got some guy who has committed a crime, and it is a maximum because they have troubled prisoners in there. Some are, not all of them are murderers. Some of them are just troublemakers and get sent there. Let's say the guy stole a bunch of cars, whatever. Mm-hmm. But because he's in there, he's getting a death sentence that he didn't deserve. And I'm not taking up for the prisoners. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't deserve to go in there and get contaminated. The workers don't deserve to be contaminated with radiation in there. Mm-hmm. And this is all being totally ignored. There's no peep of that. Um, I would like to say as far as... Uh uh, the governor of the state of Ohio, I mean, we would challenge him to uh, speak to us directly. And we've asked for a, a finding of fact. We've asked for Senate hearings. We've asked uh, through Rand Paul. Uh, we've got emails going to him. I mean, they threw the Paducah workers under the bus down there over the uh, Northwest Energy deal and the uh, uh, the uh, it's Kentucky Fried Politics incident, and we we were on to them way before that. Gave them a dossier of the people they were dealing with at USEC, told them they were criminal, and uh, they attacked us and said we were trying to ruin the economy of Paducah. And I said, not hardly. I and said, then they went and got in bed with them. Mm. But they got in bed with them. I said, all these people that had benefits coming from being injured there, when you didn't give them their their medical benefits and their their uh, benefits through the uh, Energy Employees Occupational Illness Program Act, I said, you are ruining the economy of Paducah. We didn't do that. We're we're telling the truth. But went to Shawnee State and asked to have a charrette of scientists come in and let us put our facts on the table and look at it. Went to the uh, president, Johnny State Secretary, twice. She goes, well, my husband's sick. I said, okay, you know, we'll bring that up too. Well, there's nothing. They haven't done anything. There, there should be a public hearing with documents on the table and members of Doe's, just like Doe gives out these big four-by-eight checks, that, that everybody stands behind $170,000 to the city of Piketon for the water system, but then they contaminate everything south of that in the Cider River. Very I mean, true. Very true. The uh, the records show it, and you know, there's no doubt that you guys could prove everything. And what you guys are doing is making history. Don't ever doubt it. Know it because I'm a witness to it. And I thank you guys very, very much for being on this podcast tonight. Jeff Walburn, Charles Chick Lawson, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Bobby. Okay, we will talk. We will talk soon. God bless. God bless you.